A quick note about today's podcast. If you are looking for a breakdown of the U.S. men's national team against El Salvador, a reaction to that, we recorded this podcast on Thursday. So we spent about a half an hour breaking down what might happen in that game and previewing the next few games after that. If you'd rather skip ahead of that because you already know what happened in the game because it's Friday or Saturday or whatever day you're listening, go right ahead. Skip to minute 32 and you'll miss all the talk about the game that already happened that you've maybe already watched. Otherwise, enjoy. This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Bean United. This is a thing of genius. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. Big, big show today. We have got tons to talk about. Cristiano Ronaldo uh, coming on the podcast. <laughs> we did. We got him. Mm-hmm. Finally. He's been ducking us for a while. He's here can't wait to talk to him mostly about his statue no that's not happening but what is happening we have a few things to jump into one um johnny infantino head of fifa jesus man is a dumbass and stupid and we will talk about him later but god do i hate him i hate him as but i I tell my kids we don't say the word hate i hate that man (laughs) i hate that man um we'll talk about that we will talk about my beloved watford going through yet another manager the meat grinder of managers is Vicarage Road. We'll mm-hmm. talk all about Watford, who's in, who's out, and just how many managers they've had, Beamer, over the last 10 years. I don't, I don't, even know, I, if, I don't, I don't know the total number, so woo. I'm very excited to get to hear that. There's, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Mm. That kitchen is rotating. Let's put it that way. Erling Holland has had some words, and then he said, I'm ready to move on from those words. I think he's ready to move on in general. Yep. We'll talk about that coming up as well. Um, so... Full disclosure, the podcast today features a lot of talk about a thing that is happening on Soccer Podcast Day. Ten hours from now, to be exact. Yeah, we are recording this at 9 o'clock in the morning, 8 o'clock in the evening, or 7 o'clock in the evening. That is when the U.S. men's national team takes on uh, El Salvador. We are going to talk about that game and preview it, but we also realize 10 hours from now, this will all be moot because you will know what happened. So... If you're listening well, in those really 10 hours. really 12 hours from now. So. Well, you, you got, okay. I, yeah, if someone wants to listen during the game and like live listen to what we're saying should happen. Neighbor and Eric's going to be listen, listening during <laughs> the game good. while I'm sitting right next to him. <laughs> that won't be awkward at all. And then he'll be like, Beamer, you're here. I know you. How did that you're happen? Sitting? Oh my God. Um, he so, a be- he's a beauty. Yeah. What a gem. Oh, of course he is. Of course he is. So if you want to skip ahead, we're not mad about that. Uh, we're also going to attempt to put together a little uh, reaction to the games from tonight and Sunday. Hopefully Monday morning, if we remember, we'd like to uh, get together and do a little quick recap of those games. Next Thursday, of course, we'll have the third game under. That happens on Wednesday for the U.S. national team. So we'll know by then where everything stands. One thing we do know, Grant Wall, not happy about the U.S. men's national team playing in Columbus, Ohio, or technically in, in St. Paul, Minnesota either, for that, for whatever it's worth. But he, he's, he does not like that. He's not a fan. 
I saw his uh, newsletter where he basically said that it doesn't make any sense to play these games in cold weather cities. Yeah. And that it's it's almost borderline dangerous to have the games here. Yeah, so he was talking to a diehard uh, supporter, Bruce McGuire, who I guess Long, lives Bruce up. McGuire has a long history of covering soccer mm-hmm. and talking about soccer. And yeah, so Bruce McGuire, one of the preeminent voices in the soccer blogosphere over the last 25 years or so in U.S. soccer. Yeah, so he's talking about, you know, this is where your next two cup qualifying games are going to be on home soil. Mind you, it's January in the Midwest. Well, it's January everywhere uh, here in the States, but in the Midwest, and this is where you're choosing to play the games. And so he's going on this big diatribe about how it's bad and U.S. men's national team players aren't used to the cold weather, yada, 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 whatever. Listen here, man. Who cares? Fortress Columbus. What? The U.S. men's national team, I think, is 8-1-2 and two in their time here. You've hosted more World Cup qualifiers than any other where else in the United States. I, I don't care if this game is played in the middle of January. We're kind of lucking out anyways tonight on the weather. I say lucking out in air quotes. I think the game time temperature is going to be like 32 degrees, which is right at <laughs> right. the freezing point. Yesterday right. was like negative four out. All right. Yeah. When yeah. you decided to do this, you were rewarding the city for what they have done. And you know what I say? Go to hell, Grant Wall. Who cares? I don't need to see another game in Los Angeles or anywhere else. Warm weather temperature. They already have nice things. This is what we're looking forward to. I've been looking forward to it for the better part of the last six weeks. Yeah. I, I, dude, I, I don't understand this idea because it feels like, and I don't know Grant Wall's stance on it. But it feels like a lot of people around Grant Wall or people who who agree with this that like they shouldn't be playing these games here. This is too cold. If you like the soccer snob people are like this is not the right weather for soccer. This doesn't make sense. Play it in a better climate. It feels like a lot of those people would also be the ones who say Major League Soccer will never get over the hump until they get on the European schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're in two MLS stadiums for these two games, folks. What? what? I don't understand what you think is going to happen. Like, yeah, it's if you want the U.S. and Major League Soccer to get on that schedule, you're going to have games in this type of weather. That's why Major League Soccer has been so hesitant to do it. Now, again, I understand and I do think tonight is going to be not as bad as it could have been. If it was like yesterday or the last couple days here, it would be bad. They point out in this article that, you know, it was a high of four in St. Paul uh, <laughs> last week, so yeah. on Thursday when they had this conversation. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I understand. There is a – there's cold and then there's – Like, you know, oh, shit, cold. Yeah, there's I call it, yeah, yeah, correct. Oh, shit, cold. Well, it's the kind of cold that when you walk outside, you just start swearing. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done that so Son many times bitch. last Why week. Why did I choose like, to live here? Oh, the why do I live here <laughs> it's conversation. A da- it's a daily thing in the winter, It happens it? every time I walk outside. That's what endears you to this place, though. Yes, makes those course. 55, 60-degree days in the springtime that much sweeter. If you had it all the time like San Diego, you wouldn't be appreciative of anything. I, I guess I look at it this way because I don't doubt, you know, if I was sitting there in the U.S. men's national team dressing room and I see that it's going to be 7 degrees out, 12 degrees out, whatever the temperature is going to be in St. Paul, you know, when they go, I'm thinking to myself, I don't want that ball to – I don't want to hit it with my head. I don't want to hit it with my foot. I don't hit it with any part of my body because it's going to feel like a stone. It's going to suck, let alone if there's snow, if the field is basically ice, you go up, you get knocked down, you Which land it's on not. a brick. No, it shouldn't be here. It'll be a, a great field in Columbus, and I would hope in Minnesota they understand you need to have something under the ground to keep it warm. I'm sure they do, but all I know is as much as that does suck, 
it is an advantage that if the U.S. can get behind it and prepare for it, you're going to be better off typically when you play teams that come from warmer climates and typically have players playing in warmer climates who are not accustomed to this. And so it's all about adjusting and figuring that out. Now, if you want to have the discussion of, will the U.S. play the prettiest soccer ever in these conditions? No, they probably won't. I'm, I'm sure they won't. But overall, I do think that it's an advantage you have built in. I don't think it's wrong. Canada wanted to, what, what was the game that Canada played in Edmonton against yeah. Mexico? Remember that? Like, also, aren't they playing? Aren't we playing one in Hamilton too? I mean, last yeah, time I checked, Ham- that's farther north and colder than we are. Well, I mean, I'm sure the argument would be, but they can't help it because they don't have a Florida to throw a game in, right? Okay. And by the way, the last U.S. qualifier of this, uh, of the you know the Ocho now, not the Hex, the mm-hmm. the eight team qualifier, that is now going to be in. That's going to be in Orlando in March. So there's a good chance it'll be in the 70s or 60s and maybe like rainy or something but it's going to be a lot warmer in that you'll be fine if you want to go watch a game in the warm weather that this is the united states though right we are the united states is not just new york washington dc los angeles san francisco like i feel like sometimes people like grant wall tend to think of like that's that's america's those like pampered tattooed millionaires Do the millionaires all get tattoos now? I did. I have a According tattoo. According to Alexi Lawless, yes. Oh, that's right. I for, Yes, that's right, because that's I forgot. That's the quote, yes, of it's all these soccer players. We'll find out how pampered and tattooed they are, because tonight it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. And I'm going to be on Sunday. I'm going to be warm in my soul. I'll tell you that much right now. Good old Beamer Bone is going to be quite liquored up for this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the way you should be, buddy, mm-hmm. and I don't blame you at all. So, yeah, this contest, you're going to the game. Yep. I keep getting asked if I'm going to go, and I had mostly told myself, I don't really need to go. I'll I'll go another time. Now I'll that it's another... here, are you regretting that? Well, it's not only that I'm regretting it. I'm I'm actively like, can I swing it? And I talked to Melissa this morning. <laughs> As we're getting ready, and I said, hey, if I found a ticket, what do you think? And she goes, I mean, if you want to, it, it's up to you. See, no, that's the worst answer. That's, that's the worst answer that your significant <laughs> other can give. It's by well, far the worst answer. Either say, like, oh, yeah, I'm all for it. That'd be awesome for you to go. Or, no, I need you helping. Not, Don't put it on my platter for you then later to become upset with me that I did said thing. Well, and I will say, like. My wife is very good about it. if she says it's up to you, it, it is up to me. And I, and I don't get it held over my head, but it is the thing where I, I am kind of looking for her to say, I'm I really want you to go to this or nope, it's it's not good for me if you mm-hmm. do it. She she will roll with the punches. Uh, that's a that's not a great term that there's yeah. no punches. Jeez, but you buddy. know what I mean? She, What's going on over at that household? You know what I mean. She rolls mm. with life. She goes mm. with the flow. She is. If if I said tomorrow, let's pack up the kids and take them out of school and go take a trip three days, you know, go somewhere. She would be like, all right, let's let's do it. That sounds fun. Like, I heard if you don't let me go to this game, I'm going to beat you up is what I heard. That's, <laughs> that's what I, hey, right. man, that's okay. what you said. That's what she you said. Rolls with the waves of life is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> God. Boy, pick the wrong cliche. For you. Pick the bad, wrong cliche. Bad wording. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, anyway, I know what so you. I know what you. Mean. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna do the right thing. But if tomorrow you listen to the fan and you hear me talking and I'm hoarse, you will know that uh, I went and screamed my lungs out. Yeah, that's why I, I took tomorrow off. That's a good call by you. It's a great call by you. Um, so we've got this game coming up tonight. The 
let's go through what the lineup is projected okay. to be, right? So first off, starting the back goaltender, Zach Steffen not returning to Columbus, sadly. He's dealing with a back injury, did not join the team. Matt Turner, who is in the midst of probably getting transferred, he's you know obviously one of the best talents the U.S. have, and certainly you could argue some would say he's even better than Zach Steffen. I don't tend to be in that camp. But more he run is, of form, he's playing a little bit more. He's Yes, he's, play, he's playing more, and he is playing well. So I feel good with him in the back. I don't. I'm guessing you don't have any concerns there either, right? As far as I feel fine about the situation. Start. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So weird situation in you know the back four because a guy that you would typically think would just get the call, no doubt, no question. John Brooks got excluded from this one, and the pairing of center backs that they're going to go with are are just fine, right? Walker Zimmerman, Miles Robinson, yep. they've both been pretty good. So that should be no problem there. Uh, Chris Richards, too, who's playing for Hoffenheim and is on loan from Bayern Munich. He's he's all right. So they've, they've got some guys there. Anthony Robinson, he is the left back. Burhalter called him the unquestioned choice at left back. Okay. So, yeah, he's going to be over there. Um, but Sergino Dest is probably going to get the nod on the right side because DeAndre Yedlin, who just terminated his contract with Galatasaray. Did you see that? No. I forgot he was playing in Turkey, but he was, he terminated the contract and then apparently is on the move either back here to the U S or somewhere else in Europe, but it's believed he's going to end up back with an MLS club. Anyway, he had travel issues leaving Turkey. So they're saying he may not be, he's probably not going to be available tonight. So you terminate your contract with us. We terminate your travel visa. Yeah. That's the yeah. way things work. Yeah. Um, the other, the other option there is Reggie Cannon could be, slide in if Sergio Dest doesn't get the nod. So probably either Reggie Cannon or Sergio Dest on the right side and uh, Anthony Robinson on the left side. Then you get to the midfield, and I love the term that they've given these guys. Eunice Musa, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams. That's a pretty strong midfield, man. It's the MMA midfield. Yep. Musa, McKinney, and Adams. Love that. And they will beat you up. I, I mean, physically and also just tactically they are so good when they play together how big of it was it for us to get musa to decide to you know what to play for the oh. u.s men's national team i remember yeah. i don't know, when was that a year ago maybe uh, it was in the last year and a half when he decided you know what i'm going to be cup tied uh to the to this team uh i, I remember talking about that like this is a bit that's a big get I, that, oh, yeah. that kid is pretty damn good, man. And now the fact that he's like held down that position, it's its own, uh, and you have those three in the middle. Like I'd love this from us. I think this is one of the undoubtedly the strengths of our team. Yeah, I think so too. And I do think that this. What's intriguing about this tonight is there is a good chance. I mean, obviously, we're all assuming this will happen. If it is Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and Eunice Musa, which it should be, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Christian Pulisic starts mm -hmm. up front. That will be the first time we have seen those three midfielders and Christian Pulisic as a foursome together. <sighs> so we've never really unlocked this combination. We've never unleashed it on anyone. Think of all the possibilities. It's, so much room right. for activities. Oh, <laughs> yes, it is. So much room for activities is correct. So it's either going to be, it's going to be, up front, obviously, Christian Pulisic, who will get to play. I know it's not his natural position, right? He obviously is a naturally more of a winger, mm -hmm. but this is what they need from him right now, and this is what he's going to provide. And I'm guessing it's Ricardo Pepe and probably Tim Weah yeah. up front, maybe Brendan Aronson, but we know it's not Josh Sargent because uh, 
he got left off, and Ooh. everybody was mad about Ooh. that. Evil Bald Colin was super pissed off about this. Yeah, I know, but and I and I do get that he's playing right now. Jossie is not playing. Mm-hmm. Jossie got the call. He's in. I don't think he's going to start, obviously, but. You know, I, I think that's a curious decision by Greg Berhalter. Not that I, you know, my love for Jossie's yeah. artist. I mean, he has earned it. He is a tremendous player here in Columbus. Do I sometimes think his finishing could be a touch better? Sure. Do I sometimes what, think his finishing could be a lot better? Sure. Okay. But for the, for the guys who play up top in, go across the league, go to Europe mm-hmm. and look at the guys who play up top. There's a handful of them that, Every time they get in a good position, you say, yeah, they did the right thing. Or they 99% of the time did the right thing. The next level of players is where Jossie is. Jossie's yeah. in that next percentage where it's like, man, if he was just 10% better, he could play anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's like, like, holy shit, this guy right. is unbelievable. Right, but that's that's why he's not playing <laughs> anywhere. In the, that's why he's playing in MLS. That's why he's that's why a lot of How these guys play on... How dare you poo-poo MLS. You know what I'm, I'm not going to stand for this sort of slander here on this <laughs> podcast of you poo-pooing this league. Well, and I'd like to thank Greg Berhalter for... Josh Sargent gets the snub, and then he makes his, you know, Premier League statement coming in and <laughs> taking it out on my beloved Watford. More on that coming up. But, yeah, so it's it's obviously, you would guess, those are probably the options up front. And I, I like that lineup. Obviously... That we we saw El Salvador the very first game in this Ocho qualifying deal. That was the huge disappointment. The zero zero on the mm-hmm. road that needs to not happen. Did you get I, flashbacks it, to the last Cup qualifying cycle too? When you started of off course, like this, you're like, oh shit, here we go again. Yeah, oh everybody boy, everybody did. Everybody did. And so that's where a lot of the vitriol came for Greg Burhalter. What is he doing? I mean, in hindsight, now here's what you can look at. That was. A point on the road, you want three points at home, right? Greg Berhalter has said if we average two points a game, We're that's good. what we need. Yep. And he's right. And and that's where they currently are right now. I mean, they're they're basically doing that. It has worked. I mean, being able to beat Mexico and Costa Rica at home, those are big deals. Yeah, that's, you'll, that's you'll bank of, that. Right. So that's, that's what's also helped here. Um, so right now, the standings are such. You have the... U.S. currently in second place, one point behind Canada, yeah. leading CONCACAF. And I want to say, right, they're, um, they're going to be missing some guys, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure they've got some injuries. So this is a huge weekend, well, week for the U.S. national team because you've got this game, which El Salvador on paper, I know what they did last time. Burhalter says they're the best pressing team they've played this entire cycle, so they've got to move the ball quick. But... You're at home. It's cold. They're in seventh on the table. So you're putting together one of the lineups we've been waiting to see for quite some time. Right. Finally, getting all these guys on the field together. I'd like to believe that's going to look pretty good. Let's let's hope. Fingers crossed. Three points tonight. That's that'd be huge. You are then playing Canada on Sunday. Yep. That's one that if you could find a way to get the three points there, you're suddenly just in a really good spot. And then Wednesday, you're playing Honduras at home. I mean. There's a chance to take away nine, nine points here. Nine times. A huge nine points. This is not this is not on the road at Costa Rica, on the road at Mexico, that type of situation, right? I mean, this is these are these are all three games that you should have a shot at winning, a very good shot at winning. Um, so 
that is where I kind of look at this right now. I, I feel like tonight is paramount to get off to a good start because then if you if you somehow tie this game or lose it, God forbid, going to Canada, that. Don't then say well, that. you know what I mean. Then going to Canada is going to be all this pressure, and I just don't like where that goes. Um, one other little factoid that I guess I should know, but I didn't. Did you know the U.S. national team have fielded the youngest lineup in World Cup qualifying this cycle in the world? Seriously? On average and in a one-off because when they played Costa Rica in October, the average age of their starting 11 was 22.2 years old. I absolutely love that. That is the youngest lineup in one game, and their average age is also the youngest over the entirety of their starting 11s okay. they've run out this year. So All right. you are talking about the youngest lineup in the world being second in CONCACAF with, again, a lot of work left to do here. But that we, we've all talked about what this team could be doing this World Cup cycle, mm-hmm. 2026. Yep. That's, that's why. Because they're so young and they're so good and they're so ahead of schedule. But you can't screw up opportunities like tonight. You got to take full advantage. You got to get three points. Well, remember when I don't remember. I I don't remember what I had for dinner last night, let alone I, when these right, games right. are being played. But uh, remember when like that, it was the U18 world cups. And like we didn't qualify, you know, for the yes. finals, right? Yes. Remember how big of a heart heartbreaker that was. I'm like on the grand scheme of things, is it the biggest deal in the world? No, but when you're talking about actually playing games and pressure pack situation and points that matter, trying to stack them up, like, that's a great way to get these kids involved and being able to replicate that pressure. Now, it's not the same thing as playing in, you know, U.S. versus Mexico and going down to Mexico City and playing in this game. But it's also something to be said about these young kids have had a lot of success. They have had yes. a lot of success coming up. You have been here before. You've been in big moments to your point of your career. And now to see them doing it at the senior level for the, you know, the national team, actually, I think it's huge bone. And I really do that confidence in being there before and string together results. Maybe, maybe when you shouldn't, or maybe when your backs are against the wall, getting a goal to send you ahead and winning these games that you're not supposed to. I think it's huge. And the confidence with this team, what you were talking about, if you can get out of here tonight in Columbus with three points, the confidence is going to be high. Let's say those four players up top and in the midfield play really well together. Then all of a sudden you go into Canada feeling confident. If you can clip them, now you're sitting first in the table and then oh yeah by the way the next game you play is again on home soil in cold in a you know cold stadium in minneapolis yeah yeah. like there's a lot to be said about that and you know me man like i think it's all about young players in today's game how you're able to get these guys initiated into it like world cup expectations will get there we'll talk about that through the course of this year but to be able to be that young and this good sometimes you're too brazen to even know what's going on and i love that yeah, I think that is a spot-on assessment there. One other thing, you brought up that Christian Pulisic, before we were doing the podcast in our little pre-show email chain, you you brought up that Pulisic had some comments um, before this game that I, I thought were interesting because Greg Berhalter's kind of known for wanting his guys to not really say anything. Pulisic, all these guys, they just kind of try to play it close to the vest. But there was... Some comments that he had about his situation in Chelsea. I don't know if you have those pulled up, Beamer, or not. But um, if not, I, I kind of can sum them up. Because I, I think it speaks to his level of comfort with coming back and playing for the national team. I think it, like I think this will be a, a good situation for him to come back and 
get to go out tonight. But do you have those quotes there? Yeah, he said, um, so it was, a, it was a good article that was done uh, by ESPN on this. And like, how do you handle the spotlight? You know, you're being deemed the golden boy and everybody, you're going to bring U.S. soccer back and have the most successful run. And like, you know, I mean, he has been champion as the guy. We know that, right? Yeah. As soon as he took over for the national team, he was champion as the guy. He said, it's been up and down this past year for me, for sure. He said that ahead of the World Cup qualifier tonight. Not exactly worth where I want to be and how I want things to be right now. But yeah, I'm just going to keep going. It's tough. I haven't always been playing in the positions I want to play in, but I think it's a good quality to be versatile and be able to play all kinds of positions and have different strengths on the pitch. So yeah, I've learned a lot, and I think I'm ready to hopefully be in a spot in the next couple of games that I'm more comfortable in. Yeah, so what what I think that, because obviously he's saying I hope I'm more comfortable playing up front. That's more what I'd like to do. But I also think there's something that's insinuated or... or uh, that I'm maybe reading into it from that, which is he's comfortable enough to kind of let that out there and say, yeah, I don't like playing, you know, wing back. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily what I really enjoy doing. L being that candid and open before a game like this lets me kind of feel like when he comes home, when he comes back to the U.S., he feels like he's at a different comfort level. He well, feels and think like about, I mean, how those those comments would be construed. I mean, if he's saying that to the, the English press, right? Well, Christian Pulisic said, yes. Thomas said Thomas Tuchel's the worst person on planet Earth and he's demanding that he be transferred. Like, that's how well, that right. would be construed over there. Here you come home and you can be open and honest about your situation with your manager. Yeah. And I, and I do feel like, I mean, obviously those quotes are going to get back to the English press, but it's, it's a lot different if he says it right after a game where Chelsea tie, a game they should win, or you know something like that, where he's playing out of position, and that that's a whole lot different. Mm -hmm. So I think this is telling that he is feeling more comfortable here and then putting him in that lineup with these guys. Now there's going to be some still, you got to learn how to play with each other, right? Sure. And having those three guys with Pulisic together, the MMA midfield, I think that's got a lot of potential. Um, also, I I want to point this out since we're talking about Pulisic. I don't know why I never thought of this until now, but there's a song growing up when I was in Sunday school that okay. we used to sing in church. That was it was basically where you'd spell out the word Christian. And you'd say, "I." Yeah, that would make. I mean, that would make sense yeah. given it was Sunday school and that's what you were doing. It's uh, I am a C. I am a C H. I am a C H R I S T I N, and I've got something, something, something in my H E A R T, and I will. Live eternally, I think is L I V E E T E R N A L L Y. I think is what they made us say. Anyway, that's got to be a chant for Christian Pulisic. We got to, you know, we got to we got to do that. We got to figure that out. I'm not smart enough to do it, but someone else needs to figure out how to make that a thing. Well, you so. were just you were workshopping it before I uh, hooked well, right, you up on what, this access. Right, Why don't you give with. it to the people? Come on, okay. if you're not going to do it go. anywhere else, give Fine. it to the people. All right, I want it in full throat too. Ready? Mm -hmm. I'm going to clap, too. Okay. Here we go. Three, two, one. Oh, I love C. Oh, I love C-H. Oh, I love C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. I love Christian Pulisic with all my H-E-A-R-T, and I will root for them to win every single trophy. I love That's, that. I need, I need a little. There's every single trophy needs a little. We need another something syllable in there. I but. think that's that's pretty good. That's a great starting point. Okay. It's a great so starting point. If anybody else knows that song, anybody else who was, you know, forcibly dragged to Sunday school back in your youth, maybe you've heard that song. And now Let's worships Krampus. Yep. <laughs> oh, no, I'm all hail Satan over here. We're just, <laughs> I switch teams. I switch teams. <laughs> but I do oh, it like my... Lord of it's, Darkness. It's like my... Yeah. Yes, Lord yeah. of Darkness this year. But then Premier mm -hmm. League... I'm like the Premier League, you know, where I switch every year and pick a new team. Next year, I'll be you with... You don't the, do that. I'll be with the Hare Krishnas next year. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I'm moving on to... Uh, 
I don't know, probably sit with Buddha for a year and just chill, see how that goes. Yeah, that's right. Next year, it's going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be a West Ham and Buddha fan. That's what I'm going to be. I love that. Yeah. Why not? What? You only live once. Let's jump into all the religions. Let's go. Sure. They all have a little something to offer. A little Let's pop. Yeah. Why not? I don't think I'm going to go to all the religions, though. There's Maybe a lot of all. them. There's, a, there's, there's quite a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, so here to wrap this all up and avoid any more religious talk. Let's. <laughs> let's. <laughs> That's what people this, come for. Here's the schedule. If you're still with us thinking about if you're still, again, pre previewing a thing that probably has already happened for most of you listening to this uh, tonight at seven. Here's the schedule for CONCACAF for the games that I think are the most impactful. Mexico, Jamaica, El Salvador, U.S. We know that 8 p.m. Canada is at Honduras. Yeah. Panama at Costa Rica, 9 p.m. Um, by the way, the standings right now, Canada leads with 16. U.S. has 15. Mexico and Panama both have 14 points. Mexico has the tiebreaker. Panama is in the fourth place play-in spot where they would play the one-off against the winner of the Oceania Football Federation, which is likely going to be New Zealand is what's believed. That'll be in June. You don't want that. No. Right? I don't want June match in Qatar. It's in Qatar. It's going to be 9 million degrees. Grant Wall would also complain about that too. So if that makes you (laughs) feel any better. so. Yeah. So again... That's that's why I include Panama in this, because obviously it's the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. And shockingly, Costa Rica, not as big of a factor this time around. However, they've got a role to play. Sunday, U.S. at Canada, Costa Rica at Mexico. Mm-hmm. Boy, if Costa Rica could get a point out of that, that'd be something. Jamaica at Panama, that's your Sunday schedule. Wednesday, Honduras at the U.S., Canada at El Salvador, <sighs> Panama at Mexico, Wednesday. So, ideal scenario, Jamaica draws Mexico tonight. I don't think that's likely, but maybe it's on the road for Mexico. U.S. dominates El Salvador. Honduras, if they could like smoke Canada out of nowhere, I don't think that's going to happen. That'd be great. But if that did happen and Panama drew Costa Rica, that put the U.S. at 18, Mexico, Panama, and Canada all at 15. Then Sunday, win for the U.S. over Canada. Costa Rica and Mexico draw. Panama lose to Jamaica. That put the U.S. 21, Mexico 16, Canada and Panama on 15. Then Wednesday night, U.S. defeats Honduras. Canada and Mexico win because that's they're going to win one. And Panama then would be on 15 points. U.S. would be on 24 points. Mexico and Canada would be on 19 and 18 points, respectively. That would pretty much assure, like with the U.S. having 24 and Panama having 15, if that's how that all played out. Right. That would put the U.S. nine points clear, three games to go, and a game against Panama in that mix. You're pretty much guaranteed you're not going to be in the play-in game. And would pretty much guarantee you're going to be the first seed. But That's all that matters. The remaining U.S. schedule after these three games, right? Here's what's left coming up in March. March 24th at Azteca. Whew. That's tough duty there. That's your big know. one. That's a big one, of course. Then March 27th in Orlando. That's the game against Panama. Then March 30th, they wrap it up on the road at Costa Rica. I want that game to not matter. I don't want to have to go to Los Ticos and try to get something out of that. That's a always a tough place to play there's always weird bounces it's CONCACAF on the road no you know what I mean like I hope that the U.S. can get nine points here and win against Panama on March 27th and that that's it you don't need to worry about then you're done at Azteca doesn't matter park the bus at Azteca park the bus at Costa Rica and get a point out of those if you want I don't care but you can play none of your guys bring in Josh Sargent for all I care let Josh Sargent go run wild see what he can do Oh, gosh. If Josh Sargent scored at a Stadio Azteca, I think that place would come down. I that do, too. Be something. All right. So 
There you go. We previewed a thing you may already know about, but it's all there for you. Uh, We'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk about German soccer stars, yellow soccer teams that are not the crew, although we could talk about the crew too. Uh, And uh, Gianni Infantino, the biggest douchebag in the world as of this week. That's all coming up next on Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. So let's talk about German soccer. German. I don't know why I said German. He plays in Germany, but Erling Holland. Let's talk about him because he's expected to leave Dortmund at the end of this season for an astronomical price, mind you. Well, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, I like how ESPN said sources tell us Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain, and the top clubs in the Premier League will all be interested in his services. Who are your sources? Your brain? Like, everyone knows that... That doesn't tell me anything, ESPN. When you report that, we know all those teams will be interested in him because they're the only ones who can afford him. Right. Like, well, I mean... Well, Barcelona can't. Barcelona. Sure, they're interested in him. I don't know how they're going to pay him, but right, I just... I don't understand that Key to the city. Yeah, okay. Uh, ownership stake? Can you do that? I, I guess. Don't know rules. All right. So, anyway, Norwegian soccer star who plays in Germany. There you early. go. Erling Holland had some comments about wanting to get out, more or less that Borussia Dortmund was forcing his hand, right? That's, that's what the comments were last month, where he said, more or less, Borussia Dortmund wants me to make a decision. They're pressuring me to make a decision. And then he talked this week about how, hey, look, I just... I want to move past that. I just want to get back to playing soccer. I really don't want to talk about that anymore. Talk about it or not, it's it's a storyline, clearly, that the, he needs to make up his mind what he wants to do, and I think it's already made up, right? I mean, wouldn't you be shocked if this summer he said, no, I'm staying. I'm going to, do, I'm going to stay with Bruce. Oh, Edward. I don't even think that's on the table. Like, Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, I don't that's know where why. I'm at. Like, he's not going to be playing for Dortmund next year, and if he does, he's on his own accord saying, I'm, I must really like it here. And to be honest with you, I'm sure Dortmund would love that. But at the same time, they probably are already scouting other players they're going to get from the treasure trove of oh, money from his sale. The amount of money that will come through with that is just ridiculous. It's astronomical. So, yeah, I don't really know why there's this controversy around what he said, which is that they are pressuring me to make a decision. I guess I, I saw some comments from one of the Dortmund leadership team who said, I don't remember if it was manager or whoever, but basically saying, you know, Erling is a free spirit. He is spontaneous. He's allowed to do that, but we can't wait until May to have a decision on sure. this. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just surprised that's even a comment, right? I'm surprised the comment is, is, isn't, we know Erling wants to go. We, we wish him the best. We know he's taken our team as far as we can all go together. Mm-hmm. It's now up to him to decide where he wants to be next. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I would, I'm, Everyone should be assuming that he's gone. And at 21 years old, with all the options in front of you, I don't know why he would want to... Not Again, I root for Dortmund whenever it comes to Bundesliga time. I'm rooting for them. Like I, I'm hopeful that they will do well. But I'm under no delusions of where Erling Holland is going to be playing soccer next year. It ain't in Germany. No, well, I mean, it could be in Germany. Well, you're it's right. It's just it not going to be for, be for Bayern, Dortmund. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it could be for Bayern. Right? And they're, they're not usually the team that's going to splash the pot like that. I mean, they will bring in great players. Look at their squad. My God. I mean, they're not afraid Good. to spend yes, money, but they're not, they don't do that. 
historically, when you look at Bayern Munich, they're not going to go out there and spend hundreds of millions of euros uh, to be able to get somebody on their roster when they feel like they can go get, you know, three other players of quality and keep up the same amount of wins. Now, the players in this, I think, honestly, when you boil it down, I know Barcelona said they're interested. I would have a hard time fathoming where we've been the last year with their finances, them going out and spending 300 million euros on a player. I just can't get there. Maybe their finances are much better now. I have no idea. I haven't been up to it. That would shock me. You know, Manchester United, they've been rumored to be in there. Okay, well, they liked Ole. His camp did. But mind you who his agent is, Mina Raiola, that's not going to happen with everything that happened with Paul Pogba. So that's not going to happen. Throw them out. The two big players in the Erling Holland sweepstakes – are going to be Real Madrid, and they're going to be Manchester City, and I see it coming down to those two, and we know they're not afraid to spend the money, you know, so it's going to come down to that. But no, there's no chance that he is playing for Borussia Dortmund next year. Like, I'm pretty sure that everybody has accepted that, and maybe, I don't know, maybe they're trying to get an inside track on where he's going to go. Like, that's not going to happen either. You'll find out in time, but the fact that he's feeling pressure from Dortmund to get out of there, like, I don't think that's the scenario, but literally since you join us you have been linked to leaving us. So I don't yeah, know why everybody's confused right. about it. I, I don't know either, honestly. And I it's not going to be a shock when he goes. It's not going to be a shock when he goes for some kind of record transfer fee. And it's not going to be a shock where wherever he goes next, he's probably still going to be leading whatever league it is in, in goal scoring. I mean, right. he's truly one of the best talents I've ever seen with the ball. He's a freak. He's an feet. alien, man. He's an alien. Yeah, he, he just you, players like him come along uh, especially with his size. Yeah. There there's just players like They don't him exist. Come along once a gener- no, the, yeah, one I was going to say once a generation, but it's even more than that. It's the combination is stunning and obviously I know where you want him to land. You well, want him not, to it's land. It's not happening. I, no, I I can't see it happening, right? But where would you think is a likely landing spot for him? Do you think he do you think he stays in Germany? I well, let's no. do that. In like does he stay at Bayern Munich or you know, stay in Germany right. by going to Bayern Munich or does he end up in England? Which one do you think is more likely? If it's just those two and we take out PSG and Real Madrid and any other big time club like that, it's just England or Bayern, where do you think is more likely? I think there's more of a likelihood of him ending up in England than there is him ending up back in Germany. Now, the only caveat that I would put on that is watch what happens with Robert Lewandowski over the summer because he has also been linked to move to the Premier League. Um, And, I mean, if you're betting on the futures of careers, you would probably rather have Erling Holland than Robert Lewandowski. And Thomas Mueller is going to listen to that comment and throw his listening device against the wall uh, and say we're going to win the Champions League because of that disrespect. But <laughs> you know, what, you know what I'm saying. Like, so I think it all depends because if Bayern get this windfall from the sale of Lewandowski, then it might match up with their business metrics and the way that they're able to do things to be able to go get Erling Holland. Now we know the price is going to be higher for them because. Breaking news, they play in the same league as Dortmund. That's going to be more expensive. So if I had to pick between the two, I would say he's going to go to the Premier League. He will likely go to Man City. Now, enter the conversation of Los Blancos, Real Madrid. Right. There's something about it, right? I mean, you your players are called Galacticos, for God's sake. We're talking about Erling Holland as an alien. Like, isn't it every kid's dream, no matter where you're growing up, biggest club in the world, most valuable? I don't even know how many Champions Leagues they have, 12, 11 time European champions. It makes all the sense in the world for Real Madrid to be loading up to go get this kid. Yeah, yeah. It it, it makes a ton of sense. I will say I think, 
I can't speak to the game's growth in the rest of the world, right? I can only speak to the U.S., but I feel like if you put him on a Premier League team, he's the type of player that will wake up U.S. soccer fans. They will pay more attention. A thousand percent. Like, and, and because U.S. soccer fans do tend to focus, I'm not talking about the people listening to this podcast, right? If you're listening to this podcast, you're on a different plane, right? You're, A, seeking out a soccer podcast. B, you're seeking out this one, right. which is kind of a niche thing. And, well, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're just... We Very popular cater- in Croatia, by the way. <laughs> We're number 205, I saw. Pretty good. Yeah. Total Let's sports, go to Croatia. All the sports podcasts that exist, we're 205th ranked in Croatia. That's awesome. Right. But what I mean is, you know, we do talk a lot of different soccer. We don't just focus on the Premier League solely. There are a lot of soccer fans who have gotten into soccer who then say, I'm going to watch the Premier League and Champions League, and that's what I'm going to watch. Premier League is the easiest, most accessible league outside of MLS to watch in this country. So that's the one that'll... And it's... And it's the best one of all those that you can get easily. So that's the one that's consumed the most. Erling Holland being a focal point in the Premier League is is just it, it, he will bring a level of goal scoring that you rarely see in the Premier League, right? Yeah. From one guy. Yeah. So regular season record of thirty four goals, I think. Yeah. That would right. be in, that would be in serious danger from the of time course. that he stepped foot in the Premier League. Yeah, and on top of all of that. I mean, we'll see what he does in the World Cup this year, but there's going to be a chance that he makes that transfer in, gets on a club that is followed pretty heavily in the U.S., and then goes in the World Cup and probably does something spectacular. We'll see. Like, I don't want to jinx all this and have him get injured and then he's out for six months, but you know what I mean, right? Like, it feels like that's the type of player that even though he has no real connection to the U.S. and all those other things, he's just a player that is so unique. It's the same as if, you know, Lionel Messi had ever come to the Premier League. Right. It just would have, like, as much as everyone knows he's really good, I don't think the average, you know, Euro soccer fan in America pays watches all his games. You just know he's really good, but you're mm-hmm. not watching every game. If, if he's in the Premier League, you're going to see him every week. If Erling Holland's in the Premier League, there will be a lot of people watching those games week in, week out. Correct. So if he ends up on one of those teams... You know that that will be, I think, another thing that will just help add to the game here. So as odd as that is, right, given he has no ties here. (laughs) He's got zero ties. But he's just that electric of a player. And you just usually the Premier League, those guys do come to the Premier League, obviously. But many times the biggest and best names all end up going to a place like Barcelona, Real Madrid. And you just don't see them as often. And now I think that's that's a not that's nothing against the Premier League. The Premier League has a higher floor. Sure, I feel like for its average player yeah, than no a doubt. lot of other leagues, but that's why the quality is so good and it's such a physical, tough league. A lot of guys who are great scorers say, "I don't need to go there to do it. I don't want to get beat up." Yeah, what is the you know a rainy Wednesday night or Tuesday night? And can you do whatever. it on a rainy Tuesday night in Stoke? Yeah, Lionel <laughs> right, Messi can exactly. do all that with Barcelona, but can you do it on a rainy Tuesday night at Stoke? Erling Holland seems like the type of guy. Yeah, who I'm would sure live he would bag about five goals and a Tuesday <laughs> night that's rainy and stuff. Yeah, because it gets a little rainy and sloppy in Germany last I checked, and it's also pretty physical there. So I wonder I how think- much too, and I know we'll get on to something else here. Yeah, Gianni yeah, yeah, yeah. Infantino being an idiot. Uh, I do wonder, like, if Erling Holland does decide to come over to the Premier League, if that would change the minds of different players across the world. Like, oh, he's playing there, I should go play there, and like, if that would be better for the Premier League as a whole. With him yeah, choosing to it, go to that league. It might be. I mean, it also like, I don't know. Maybe that, that's just a stupid thing in my no, mind. No, it might be that. But I also think there might be a lot of guys who are similar, you know, 
forward type players who look to score goals who might say, do I want to go there and be in his shadow or mm-hmm. constantly be compared to him by my team? You know, I'm not talking about there'll be plenty of forwards that obviously want to go to the Premier League, but of the, you know, four or five world-class goal scorers that are usually available at any given time over a couple, three-year period, are they going to want to say, yeah, I want to go into his airspace and try to go out-duel him in that league? That's that's a bigger question, right? And right. I, I think that's a fair one to ask. Speaking of the Premier League, my beloved Watford, mm. long-time fan. You know how long I've been rooting for them. You've just lived and so, died with them for years. For years. <laughs> Until next year when I pick another team. But Watford, my guys. Uh, Claudio Ranieri was sacked, unfortunately, for Watford. Now Roy Hodgson is in mm. on his, I think I, I think I saw Nine hundred his 90th Premier League job. I think he's been managing in the Premier League for well over 45 years, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. It's either 43 or 47 years, I want to say. So, yeah, he's he's been off and on. Obviously, last job was with Crystal Palace. He was out of a job since that ended last season. He, though, is now in and will have a chance for, you know, Earn the job through the end of the year, basically. Oh, yeah. They're going to reevaluate, reevaluate him at the end of the summer. So what led to all this was Watford. They have gone winless in nine games mm. in all competitions. One draw, eight losses. Yeah. Longest, longest run without a victory since December 2013. Um, you might remember Ranieri replaced Cisco Munez, or Munoz, sorry, who took over in December of last year. So that that's if you're, you know, it's December of 2020. Calendar year. December 2020, three, yeah, basically three managers in a year. And that's not even the craziest number for Watford because Watford is, they go through managers like no club I think we've ever seen. They have since uh, the Pazzo family, Gino Pazzo, who is the oh, I owner know of them. the team, Italian owner who likes to hire and fire coaches. This is, they have a stunning number of coaches that they've gone through over the years. And I'm trying to pull up the list here that I thought I had saved. And apparently I don't. Um, Okay. I just want to give you this under Gino Pazzo. They have had 16 permanent head coaches in the last 10 years. 2012, (laughs) 2012 is when they took over the Pazzo family. So how are they in the premier league? They, the, the average stint for a Watford manager in the last 10 years. Is that like 10 months? 255 days. Wow. So not even 10 <laughs> months. That's like eight months. <laughs> yes. They have, let me see, one, two, three, four, five managers who did not last beyond 200 days. Jesus. They have three managers who didn't make it 100 days. <laughs> they... Yeah, like this is just... It's pretty amazing, too, when you consider that they have two months off in the middle of every year. Right, yes. Uh, So they Watford have been up twice in that time. Yep. Um, So, and, and, you know, they've been up six of the last seven seasons, right? So they're, I mean, they're, 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 it's not like they've been awful through all this. But they are known as the meat grinder for coaches in the Premier League. And I know we joke about the Premier League quite a bit. Actually, Claudio Ranieri actually had a joke about that where they asked him about Rafa Benitez getting fired. Yeah. And he said, maybe you're not used to it in England, but in Italy, they change managers like they buy an ice cream. Mm-hmm. Well, and and now that ice cream tolleth for thee or 
bell tolls for the whatever. Anyway, now that that's exactly right. That's what's happening here. Like maybe if Watford could find and stick with a manager for a year, that would be a good thing. Just let that happen. Well, I guess the idea behind that would be like, well, if we're going to fire these guys, there's a better chance of us succeeding. You know, like I guess that would be the line of thinking. Like someone's got to get it right. Yeah, the more course. that we go through, somebody has to get this correct. Now, I want to also be clear with what I'm saying. I do not in any way think it was a bad decision to fire your manager when you had a six-pointer against yeah. another relegation-level team. You said it was a must-win. I did say it was must-win last week. And what happened? Lost. They lost, and he got fired because it was a must-win game. So now you're only still sitting two points out of safety at this point. It's not in any way, shape, or form over, but Norwich has dug themselves completely out. Yeah, they sure have. Good for them. Because they were poo-poo the first were, yes, three months of the year. They were terrible. And we even said there's no chance they're coming back. Well, they're out right Look now. Look at us they, now. Yeah, they have two on the trot. And Josh Sargent, by yeah. the way, <laughs> huge game for him coming in and doing that. So he scored twice. Three nothing victory. Three nothing at home for Watford. You got defeated three nothing at Vicarage Road on you know Friday night football, the big stage, all the spotlight, everything. That's what you do in a game you had to have to save your manager's job. And maybe it wouldn't have even saved it, but certainly would have been better, right? I mean, if if they'd have won that, perhaps it staves this off a little bit longer. But you remember the uh, last win that uh, shut Watford up, has- shut up, Bone. <laughs> Shut up. Do you have any idea who yeah, that was? Before? It was back in November against, oh, was, against Manchester United. Mm, so I'm glad. Right. They did. You know what? I'm glad that you're throwing barbs at me. <laughs> yeah. Manchester United's in the top four. How's that feel? Your yeah, team's going to get kicked right, out of the relegation. Right, I again. got it. That's fine. You're right. You're right. You have all the room to talk. Pick there. a I team just, next year. Pick a better team. I'm going to pick a better. Well, Sunderland no. boy. No, hang on. If Well, Sunderland is. We're trying. Sunderland's <laughs> trying to get back up. All right. Hey, that should be their new motto. Sunderland. We're trying. <laughs> we're trying. We're Sunderland. Nobody can be mad at you if you tell them you're trying. We are. Yeah. I. I. I yeah, exactly right. So let's let's move on because Watford is depressing me. But. Let's talk about a final thing here that needs to be talked about. And we'll, we'll continue to highlight this. Gianni Infantino. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Piece of garbage is what he is. So there, were, there was a quote that he had. He was speaking to the EU because uh, they want to do two World Cups every, a World Cup every two years, mm-hmm. two every four. And I think that's a terrible idea. I'm pretty sure you think that's a terrible idea. Yeah, I think most people on. listening to this podcast realize that's a terrible idea. Yeah. So anyway, that that sucks and we don't like it and it's all dumb. But he was talking to the EU and he brought up that if you allow them to have more World Cups every two years, they can put more World Cups in different places. Less right? people are going to die, too, by the way. That's what well, that's what he said. He, he brought up that if you because there's been a, an issue of migrant people coming from Africa, from the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm to sail across to Europe to try to find a better life, right? Not something we've, we've seen that all across the world. Yep. People looking for a better situation. And I don't know what motivates people to do that. I don't know how bad their situation is, but I also can't judge that because I'm not in their shoes. Right. If I am of the opinion, if you're willing to, you know, like they talked about people coming from Central America and walking hundreds of miles to get to the U.S., why would they do that? Well, obviously because something ain't right, you know? Yeah. because like that's not a fun situ- walk. Something no. sucks. That like right, so whatever they're coming from must be pretty bad to motivate them to do that. But I also do, that doesn't mean that 
everyone in that country is in the same spot. It just means those people that are doing it are. And so he said, Gianni Infantino said in front of the EU, if you could have more World Cups, maybe they could have some in Africa, in, in the continent of Africa. Maybe certain countries could host them. And then that would allow more hope for people living in Africa so they wouldn't want to hop on a boat and try to find their way across. Because unfortunately, some of the people who came across uh, in a boat just this past week died trying to make that crossing. The boat capsized. A lot of people lost their lives. So he took that tragedy and then decided to, hey, that's why we should have more World Cups so we could give those people hope so they wouldn't want to leave. Just the arrogance of that. Like now all of a sudden Gianni Infantino is the moral arbiter of peace and like trying to oh, save lives right. like that's well that's oh, yeah, what by FIFA the way, always if, likes yeah, to do yeah by the way don't worry about the hundreds and hundreds of millions and billions of dollars that's going to go into our pocketbook too we're worried about you the, yeah like the, what a shitbag comment that is man and if you actually watch the clips and didn't get the t-bone summaration of what happened i mean it started off one way and then just went a totally different direction like it was one of the most mind-boggling mind-boggling points of emphasis i've ever heard about anything i mean it yeah. really was jaw dropping in a terrible way yeah it's it's pretty un, it's it's pretty unfathomable how you could be that callous to think yeah this is cool i'm going to take the death of these unrelated people to this situation and then use that to say that's why i should be able to make more and more money for my organization which don't forget fifa positions themselves and technically is a non-profit organization mm -hmm. so that's why you can't just cravenly say because we want to make billions of dollars that's why we want a world cup every two years he has to tie it into some humanitarian end which is bunk but let's not forget cutter where we're going to have a world cup this year yeah. where obviously this is the dual nature of i'm sure most soccer fans who are aware of all this I am going to be excited to watch the World Cup. I am not excited with the process that happened to award this World Cup, and I do not believe that it has been done in a safe way. We know that thousands of people have died. 6,500, I think, was the last... 6,500 plus people. The last well, you, it, not according to Gianni Infantino. No. Gianni Infantino says three people have died mm. due mm. to World Cup construction. It's a big difference and, between three and 6,500. Well, and you know where they get those numbers? Because they're talking about someone who was like on a building and fell off of a building or had something, you know, in construction, something happened and the person died due to a construction accident. What he is ignoring and not calling a related death to building the World Cup are those 6,500 people that you mentioned that have died. And, and when you go look, I mean, there's the World Health Organization is aware of this oh, and reporting on it. thousands of articles on it. Amnesty International has done huge studies on this. The numbers of death toll in Qatar, there are numbers that they keep track of, you know, who lived and who died, you know, birth records, death mm -hmm. records. They can see there's a huge increase since the World Cup stadiums started from people who were working on those stadiums. But the way FIFA gets around it is they say, because Qatar will list it this way, their, their local health authorities listed as, for example, um, they have a list of them here. I'll just read a couple. April 26th, 48-year-old Indian man passed away of heart failure due to acute respiratory failure. Mm -hmm. October 2016, a 27-year-old Nepalese man passed away of acute heart failure due to natural causes. A 26-year-old Ethiopian, December 2016, passed away due to acute respiratory failure. And and their health officials at the WHO and uh, at uh, Amnesty International have said, in a developed country, which Qatar definitely is, 
Nobody, everyone dies of either like respiratory failure or right. heart failure. That's how you die. That's how humans die. You die of cancer. You die of respiratory failure because your body shuts down. And you don't breathe anymore, right? That's 99% of deaths. But also most deaths can be whittled down to something more specific than, oh, their heart gave out and they died. We don't know why. Yeah. They're saying that it's very suspicious that Cutter labels these deaths as natural cause but again i said a 48 year old a 27 year old 26 year old 25 year old is that normal people that age working in construction just dropping dead of natural causes you know what i mean they're trying to do i mean it's that's that's the that's the dark side of what fifa is doing here is they're not even acknowledging that this is going on they're saying oh just a bunch of random people having heart attacks that's Mm -hmm. crazy huh they're not acknowledging that that could be because these people are put in horrible not could be is because those people are being put in horrible work conditions so you know, I, I don't. I know that's a heavy subject to get into, and it's obviously horrible. But John, yeah, there, there's been plenty of people, right, who have gone into this over over the years. And John Oliver's one of them, who's a huge soccer fan. Oh you know, yeah, and and has pointed out how it's like FIFA is this thing that we all hate, but they unfortunately they have their tentacles into every single detail of yeah. soccer. Concacaf works at the behest of FIFA. Right, it doesn't exist without FIFA. So we're talking about World Cup qualifiers. That's all because FIFA exists, and unfortunately, FIFA is so entrenched. I don't know how you extricate them, but what I do know is there's there's still good that comes from soccer. It's just there's a lot of bad that comes from FIFA. Yeah, and, the and I wish, we, the to- could, I the wish people- we could separate those two. Right, and the people at the top, I mean, have no interest in giving up their power in their pocketbooks. So, well, look what happened when we got Set Blatter out. Set Blatter finally goes away, and look who replaces him. A guy who says we need to have more World Cups yeah. so that people don't die on the ocean. Like <laughs> these people are shameless and horrible. There's, you're right. If you got Gianni Infantino and all his cronies out, the next doesn't group matter. Would be just as bad because, yeah. yeah, it's a horrible system. So uh, not to leave you on a downer. Uh, we're still gonna watch soccer. We still like soccer. We will have something for you on Monday, hopefully recapping what happened with the World Cup qualifiers for the U.S. national team. But. Gianni Infantino. Bad guy. Terrible human. Tool of the and week. We hate his guts. Tool of the week. Tool, tool of the ever. Yeah. Yes. Hate that guy. All right. That's it for us. Better things. Go Christian Pulisic. Go U.S. national team. We'll see you guys hopefully on Monday.